This episode of Couch Communion is dedicated to the Reverend Will Berry for reminding me that weird is different from wrong and that mystery is both beautiful and necessary for a well-rounded faith. Also, Will Berry just never misses, so. We wonder, we roam, we take the everyone. I'm Sarah. And I'm Jordan. And this is Couch Communion. Yay! Yay. <laughs> um, this is actually our first episode that we're recording. I think it's okay to say that. Yeah. We're letting you behind the curtain. A little bit. You know? A little bit. It is a beautiful day. We're on my couch. We've had McDonald's for breakfast. I have an iced coffee. So the world is going great right now. <laughs> I'm having the most fun I think I've had in a long time. Me too. And I love just being able to talk to you about stuff. I know. Um, today, we are going to be talking about weird things that Christians believe because I just, its there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. And not everyone believes the same things. I don't know that we believe the same things. I think we probably do. We may have some discovery in this we conversation. May. So I'm very excited. Jordan is kind of taking the lead on this one. And I will just... Um, you know, yeah. be here to comment and question. <laughs> I think there'll be a lot of comments. Yeah. I will always have a lot of comments. Yeah. I have lots of thoughts and feelings. That's why I wanted to start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. The reason why I chose this topic was, um, as you heard in the dedication, I read a blog post by a um, an Episcopal priest that I know personally um not well but like you know we're acquainted um that talked about kind of the importance of our belief in the resurrected body of Christ which is like i think for a lot of non-christians that's like one of the weird spots it's zombie jesus yeah absolutely yeah so it kind of like sparked this thing that was like oh my gosh we we believe some weird stuff and what's important about believing that weird stuff and you know is it is it essential that we do? And um, so it really kind of took me down a rabbit hole. But it, but the weirdest part of the rabbit hole that it took me down was really where I want to start, which is um, The Haunting of Hill House. Oh, okay. Naturally. <laughs> Naturally, that's where we a start. A great show. Um, and I, I don't know if you and I have talked about this. I think we have. But there's a part in the very first episode of Hill House. The first season? The first season, okay. yes. Uh, I never finished this. <gasps> shut I up know. shut up we're watching it asap <laughs> i don't care if it's around halloween or not it is a beautiful may day and we are gonna watch although i gotta be honest it is heartbreaking oh is it it's, i mean it's already a little bit heartbreaking as far as i got well i mean i mean season one was sad yeah but also very scary um we can talk about that later go yeah. on episode one yeah so steve Steve? Yes, yeah, Steve. Steve. <laughs> Steve is talking with a woman whose husband has died. And she's asking him about the supernatural. And he says, I actually don't like that word. Uh, because supernatural implies that it's something that we're incapable of understanding. 
um, and things that we used to think were supernatural, we now understand scientifically. And he liked to use the word preternatural, um, right. which indicated that it's just something, it's a natural phenomenon, but we just don't have the capability capability of explaining it or, or understanding it yet. Okay. Um, and my husband and I had some conversations about Mark. He, he and I had some conversations about whether or not we really agree with that. And his, he had a really good point. He said, you know, I do agree. I think there's a lot of things that we just can't explain yet. He said, but I think there's a lot of things that God doesn't really necessarily need us to explain or that we cannot really get to the point of explaining fully. Mm-hmm. And that's where you get into the realm of supernatural, where, you know, our capabilities will end at some point and we will just have to give the rest to God. And so I thought that was just kind of a, a really cool point to kind of look at this where there may be some things about our faith that we just don't we can't wrap our minds completely around. True. We can wrap it somewhat around. We can get halfway there, three quarters of the way there. But there's some things that we just can't get our mind around. And I think um I think it's a I think that's a great thing. Yeah. I can think of a lot of things that <laughs> this is probably not Non-religious people are probably going to judge me for this, but like, I I know we're going to talk about the bodily resurrection. That's one of those things that I'm like, I just, I I believe it. That's just a God thing. Um, I'm not sitting here trying to figure out scientifically how a man was raised from the dead. And to be honest with you, even if science came out tomorrow and was like, it didn't happen. I don't, I don't even know. I don't know. We can go back to that. That's also how I feel about the virgin birth when people are like, Oh, we're going to talk about both of this. Okay, both good. Because I'm just kind of like, sure, I guess that was God. But is that is that a, again, I'm foreshadowing. Do you have to believe in a virgin birth? I, I guess. I think. Uh, it's in the Apostles' Creed. You know, I think from my perspective, I think that's a core belief. Mm-hmm. But there's parts of it that I don't think are core. Okay, let's. So let, we'll, I'll we'll let you there. start. We'll I'll let there. you start. <laughs> Yeah, so I also have, I know, uh, one of my bullet points here, I know is going to be a favorite of yours to talk about, yours specifically. (gasps) I think I know what it is. Because our three bullet points today that I wanted to talk about are the bodily resurrection, Mm -hmm. the virgin birth, Mm -hmm. and heavenly creatures. Oh. Heavenly and non-heavenly creatures, so angels, demons, and the like. Okay. Yeah, because I know we have, I picked that one because I know we have very... Not very different, but slightly different views. Yes. On that. Yes. So which would you like to start with? Um, I mean, we can start with like one of the... E- I, what I, mm, I started <laughs> to say one of the easier ones and I was like, they're all hard. They are. I also thought one of your bullet points was going to be, um, which I'm sure we'll talk more about this if we do an episode on like biblical literalism. But is it... Do you have to believe that the Garden of Eden was a literal place? We can talk about that too. I think that's kind of the the feel of the whole episode. There is, yeah. I do because we oh we can talk about because here in Kentucky, yes, we have these two beautiful attractions. Um, <laughs> I just had to take a real deep breath. <laughs> that we, um, <clears throat> I have not experienced neither of these attractions personally. Sarah has experienced one of them, mm-hmm. um, and they are interesting. They are. Uh, we have the Creation Museum. Which is the one I have experienced. And the Ark Encounter. Both have made national headlines uh, in when they open. My family has visited the Ark Encounter. 
Parts and of my family. Both are interesting. They have a very specific point of view. That's very literalist. That's v- extremely. And do I agree with that? It's probably going to be a no yeah. from me, dog. Big fat but no. Big fat no. Um, Which is not to shame anyone who has been to those attractions and really likes absolutely them. Absolutely not. That's just not me. Yeah. So let's start there, I think. Okay. What a literalist point of view looks like. Um <laughs> So the whole idea behind those two attractions is a literal six-day creation. Uh, it's a young Earth theory that Earth is like 6,000 years old or something like that. Humans and dinosaurs lived together. There were dinosaurs on the Ark. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also some subgenres going on in those systems that are, you know, women are subservient to men. Right. Women shouldn't be allowed to preach in the church. You know, there's a yeah. Lot, a I mean, lot I don't there. think that's strictly in the creation exactly. museum, but in that people can get real right wild right. and crazy. That with... Eden is a literal place. Yes. It was a literal place. Um, and my persuasion on on some of those weird beliefs mm-hmm. um, has changed throughout time. Um, I remember, and you know this. I remember the pinpoint moment in my life where I realized the Bible was not a historical document. Like, not, it is a historical document. I mean, it's not an account of history. Gotcha. It's not a science textbook. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I was in AP uh, World History in high school, and we were doing a timeline assignment, and I asked the teacher, little baby me, goodness, asked the teacher, are we talking Old Testament or New Testament here? And she goes, she like squinted her eyes at me, and she goes, okay, I want you to get away from the Bible here. And just think about, like, the world as a whole. <laughs> and I was like, oh. <laughs> Yikes. And that was kind of the first moment that I realized that, like, um, it's okay to believe in literal parts of the creation story. I think that's fine. Sure. Um, but we also have to remember that it was a, it was, it was an oral history that and- was passed down in Jewish culture as this is our creation myth and i use the word myth in a respectful way it's not like myth in the this is completely untrue yeah this is a made-up story but those stories were crafted in ways so that people could remember them and Mm -hmm. pass them along and also they were crafted in ways that were very poetic and lyrical so that people were captured by them and brought them in i you know personally i think um i think adam and eve were real people I don't necessarily think they were the only people that were created at the beginning. Sure. I think God did create the earth. I don't think he necessarily like snapped his fingers and it was here as it were. Could he have? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I I think he also could have just been like, here are the ingredients and let nature happen. Right. You know? Right. I think too on the point of Genesis is a oral history and all that. The point of Genesis, it's not supposed to be a science textbook. It's about the nature of creation, the nature of God and what it means for us to be in his image. And God yes, is a ma'am. creative God, right? So it it doesn't have it doesn't have to be like I think in conversations that I've had with people who believe it is literally 6 days and literally he just snapped his fingers when I say I don't have a problem with the Big Bang and I don't have a problem with evolution, it's like people think that I'm taking away 
um, the majesty of God or the power of God. And to me, it's the opposite because that's, again, the point is that God created everything in an order the way it was supposed to be. And we, as human beings, came last, I guess, and that we were endowed with the spirit of God and made in his image. That's the point. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if birds came first or water like that. (laughs) And see, that's the interesting part about literal six day creation is that um, there's no way that evolution is possible and that dinosaurs, you know, evolved into birds because birds and land animals were created on different days. Right. So they could not have become each other because they were created on different days. Also, for anyone listening to this who doesn't necessarily agree with evolution, I just have to make a point because I hear this a lot, especially from creationist people. Um, humans did not evolve from monkeys. Evolution does not say that humans evolved from monkeys. We evolved from a common ancestor in the way that chihuahuas and modern day wolves both exist at the same time, but are related. Chihuahuas did not evolve from wolves. They evolved from a common ancestor i believe and i think when we get into the nitty-gritty like that like when when people are so so adamant Mm -hmm. about no it can't have happened it could not have can't have happened could not have happened that way because this or because that it has to be this way that's where you lose the room of mystery yeah and are you saying god couldn't have used evolution why couldn't he? Exactly. Is he not powerful enough to use a exactly. giant big bang to create the world? And I think I think it's important to exist in both spaces when it comes to the creation myth that it's absolutely possible it could have been literally six days. It could have been a snap of the fingers. I think it's absolutely possible. And I think it's also absolutely possible that these intricate scientific systems were created that we don't even, you know, we can't even fathom how to create those things out of nothing mm-hmm. um, because it it emphasizes what you were saying is the point that our God is a creative one and that he can do whatever he wants. Exactly. And he, and, and in that space of he can do whatever he wants, he chose to make us exactly. and he chose to make the world. Exactly. And I, I think the heart of the creation myth is really um, it just like every part of the Bible is it's showing you who God is right. at his core. That's Whether the it's point. literal or not, mm-hmm. it's it's showing you in some one way or another who he is. Also, can you imagine, I've thought about this before, but I think us today, because we know so much about science and um, even though there's this big divide between like the Christian community and scientific community, sometimes I think about um, it because like p- part of my reasoning as to why The creation story, I don't think, is literal. Obviously, the people writing the book of Genesis did not know about elements. They didn't know about gravity. They, we, people didn't think that the world revolved around the sun until, like, the Catholic Church was already a thing, right? Because wasn't that a big, it was a heresy to say that the earth wasn't the center of the universe? Yeah, that's why they poisoned Galileo. That's what I'm saying. So, like... Why would we expect anyone writing the book of Genesis to know anything about science? But can you imagine for one moment going back to pre-Jesus times and explaining to someone what hydrogen is or (laughs) nitrogen or the atmosphere or the fact that there are other planets and solar systems and galaxies? I mean, 
that to me is like the power of God. Like they, they created, they, um, tried to capture the nature of creation as well as they could at the time with what they knew. And that became the creation story. And it doesn't take away anything from it to discover new parts about science and new parts of our world and our universe and to add them in. I don't think. Yeah. But that's just me. I mean, I think, yeah, I think you nailed it. Um, yeah. So let's get into some of the other weird stuff. So the bodily resurrection, let's, let's start there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're not of the Christian persuasion, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, <laughs> but, we appreciate it, big dog. Yeah. Um, we, Christians believe that Jesus was um, murdered on the cross um, and then three days ra- later rose from the dead. Not a spiritual resurrection, not just like, like a half kind of thing. Like this his man, body literally rose from the actual dead. Um, he walked himself out, out of, of the his tomb. grave. Yeah. He said, mm, I'm going <laughs> to stretch my legs here and take off these wrappings and uh, going to go freak some people out. Yeah. So definitely a weird thing uh, to uh, believe. Very um, bizarre. Extremely bizarre. And I think it's funny, too, that uh, you mention zombie jesus uh because that is kind of a distinction um that we make is that like this is not like some kind of um half situation he he was completely raised and completely um brought forth when he you know Mm -hmm. came came back from the dead um and i was reading let me pull it up here i was reading a blog from uh, Denny Burke, who um, he's a professor of biblical studies at Boyce College, okay, uh, which is the undergraduate school of Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in, in Louisville, actually. Ooh, um, represent Kentucky. Yeah, I, I want to put a disclaimer on this that uh, I don't know much about Denny Burke uh, other than what I literally just said. <laughs> so I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say um, I don't endorse denny burke anyway because i haven't researched him enough to if he's an awful guy we are so sorry for giving him this (laughs) if he's a great guy cool great Um, glad to use him and know him but uh in his blog about he he has a a blog post called the strangest thing about christian faith and he's talking about the bodily resurrection and why it's so weird and he says the controversial part is actually the the second half of this whole um uh, this whole this whole bit um, here, and if we're talking about the bit, it's you know in First Corinthians fifteen three and four, it says that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he has been raised on the third day. And he calls into specific view that second half. He has been raised mm-hmm. on the second day, and so he says the controversial part is the second half. He has been raised. Why is this strange? Because dead bodies don't come back to life. It just doesn't happen. Very true. But eyewitnesses like Paul say that it did in fact happen in Jesus's case. Jesus was dead, really dead, violently dead, indisputably dead. Extremely deceased. And yet he was raised. But then he goes on to say, perhaps the strangest thing about what we believe is contained in the words has been. 
the wording is crucial. There are four verbs in these verses, all of which are in the simple past tense, except for one. Has been. He has been raised. Whereas Jesus' death, burial, and appearances happened once upon a time, it is not so with his resurrection. He has been raised, the perfect tense, uh, which indicates pastime with ongoing results. Which I found to be an interesting dissection of the translation. That is very interesting. Yeah, because we do that make that distinction in Christianity that mm-hmm. like um, it's not a this happened way back when, like his death did, that the resurrection happened and is ongoing, that he is continuously resurrected. Okay. Not continuously okay. in that it's happening again and again, oh, but that right, right. he is still resurrected now. And living. Yes. Still. Okay. I got you. I got you. I got you. So, you know, um, I think I think that's something that I didn't really think about a whole lot uh, growing up. Uh, Absolutely not. Well, because, I mean, you, you grow up with it and you just kind of accept it at face value. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't ever really get to touch on the strangeness um, about it. Um, but that, you know, we, we just take that. We just, we just take it and we're like, yeah, he's alive now. Yep. Okay. But so here's a question I have for you. Yeah. It, okay. Do you think that there is any point in believing in Christianity if you don't believe that Jesus was bodily resurrected? Because I would argue if you are someone, um, like I think about, Apparently Thomas Jefferson, and don't quote me on this, I haven't fact-checked this in a long time, but (laughs) apparently Thomas Jefferson wrote a version of the Bible called the Jefferson Bible where he took out all the miracles, and I'm like, well, then what's the point? If you are someone who's like, I believe in Jesus and I'm a Christian and everything, but I, I can't get to the point where I believe he was fully bodily raised from the dead, is there a point? Do you know what I mean? Like, what's the point in believing in God if you don't believe in the miracles? Why are you believing in a right. higher power if that power, like... I feel like so at that m- point, aren't you just like, agnostic? Right. And it's kind of like the same people who are like, I think Jesus was just a cool guy. Okay, good for you. What's the point? Like, yeah. wh- well, I don't then- think you qualify as Christian <laughs> at that point. Right. Yeah. Also, and this can be a whole other thing... I'm going to I'm going to derail for one second because I have a pet peeve that I want to talk about. I have a, I have a rant. Um, it it almost annoys me. And I I understand the good part of where this is coming from. It almost annoys me when non-religious people talk about how much they like Jesus and they think Jesus was like a good guy. He was a good teacher. He was a good philosopher or whatever. They just don't think he was like a deity or the Messiah or anything. But Jesus fully said I am the son of God. I'm the Messiah. I am a deity. So if you like, if he wasn't, he was a, he He was was a terrible teacher. He was a cult leader. (laughs) He was a cult leader. So you, I, someone forever ago in the church said that Jesus can only be one of three things, Mm -hmm. crazy con man or Christ. And that's kind of how I feel. We're like, if you don't, if you don't think he was actually the son of God, then you, you, he was nuts. Yeah. He was insane. And I mean, he didn't hurt anybody. I mean, is it wildly possible that we all are just following a cult? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Right. I mean, there's a lot of uh, uh, sections of Christianity that op- operate like cults. I'm sure. There or are, that are cults. Uh, that fully are cults. And I'm sure there are a lot of people that would argue any organized religion is a cult. Yeah. Which we can talk about later because that is also 
not true in the slightest but that's a that's another episode yeah anyway Um, i will say (laughs) uh i feel i feel a little weird now because i was pulling up uh the reverend wilberry's original blog post he has since deleted the post. Oh, no. Um, I don't know why. Uh, so I'm sorry if I'm airing something that shouldn't be aired. Um, Will, no. <laughs> Will. Uh, I have mad respect uh, for for Will and for the good work that he does. Um, but he, he wrote a, a blog post about the bodily resurrection. And in the original blog post, he says, um, what the physical resurrection of Jesus shows us is that bodies matter. When bodies suffer at the hands of oppressive systems, God will resurrect them. When bodies are marred by hands of hatred and injustice, God will resurrect them. When the breath of life is snuffed out of someone's body because of the color of their skin or because of the gender they identify as or because of the gender of the bodies they choose to love, God will resurrect them. I'm not an amener. Amen. Though. But amen. Yeah. And I've read that before and it's still, I forgot about that part. Yeah. And I think, and, and it goes back to what we were saying about the creation myth is that in every story of the Bible, which in this case, I literally believe in the bo- bodily resurrection. Mm-hmm. But in every story, there's layers and it teaches us about who God is. Right. You know? Right. Like, there's obviously that bit where, you know, for God so loved the world, he sent his son, but also the manner in which he sent his son and resurrected his son teaches us something about bodies and about people mm-hmm. um, and about the lengths that God will go to. Right. To right. resurrect someone who is faultless. I mean, amen. Amen. I mean, just, amen. He, he said it so well. There's no other way to say it. Yeah. I mean, he he does not miss. <laughs> just a beautiful human being. Yeah. As the kids would say now, he understood the assignment. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think um, to, to your point earlier, too, what I wanted to say was... There isn't a point in believing in it if you don't believe in the bodily resurrection. I don't think. Person- I, personally. <laughs> I don't either. I don't either. And, um, I mean, that's a central part of our faith. But, I mean, how weird is it, though? It's bizarre. Weird. It's bizarre. I Here's the thing. I love the musical Book of Mormon. Love it with I my whole it heart. I, I feel slightly hypocritical, though, because a lot of that musical is making fun of things that mormons believe and i'm like oh my gosh they believe that like jews built boats and sailed to america and the garden of eden was in jackson county missouri but like uh, we also believe weird stuff i have no stone to throw whatsoever i believe weird things and i i love that you said that because that is calling out me a hundred percent because if there's a shtick i have it's 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 encapsulated in the phrase except mormons because because i i am so weirded by some of those beliefs no shade to mormons but a little shade to mormons (laughs) you know like well but you you said it perfectly i don't have a stone to throw we all believe in weird stuff every religion is weird yeah and really not having a religion has weird things too yeah 
it's just different. It's just different weird. It's just different weird. And I think society as a whole can do so well if we just recognize that weird is different from wrong. Yes. Sometimes weird and wrong coincide. Absolutely. But I, we, we really need to approach every interaction that we have in our life with weird is different than wrong. Just because it's not the same to me. Just because I don't see it that way doesn't necessarily make it wrong. It might be wrong, but it doesn't necessarily make it wrong just because I feel weird about it. Absolutely. Yes. 110%. People have different ways of thinking about things and behaving and experiencing the world. And yeah, I didn't think about that, but you are 100% correct. And I'm going to get weird is different than wrong tattooed on <laughs> my body, <laughs> on my forehead. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. So, uh, so yeah, that's the bodily resurrection. Any other thoughts on that? No, but I do. I just to circle back to it actually really weirds me out every Easter when someone inevitably posts about zombie Jesus. Yeah. That's all. <laughs> but uh, that Virgin Mary, though. But the Virgin Mary, though. So when I talk about virgin birth, so if we're going to talk about virgin birth, here's the thing. Uh-huh. I, there is something in the writer in me. Yeah. Just absolutely loves, just nom, 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 nom. I just love talking about. I just about, eat it up. I, I just do. eat it up. <laughs> I love talking about the virgin birth. Okay. And when I say the virgin birth, I want to clarify for our Catholic uh, listeners out there. I'm talking about the virgin birth of Jesus. Because okay. um, there is, <laughs> for our non-Catholics out there, let me explain. Um, I don't know. There may be other uh, divisions of Christianity that also believe this, but um, Catholics do believe that Mary was immaculately conceived as well um, because she needed to be sinless in order to uh, carry Christ. I vehemently don't believe that. But it, you know, but it's one of those beliefs that I'm like, okay, cool, that's fine. Yeah, it's it not doesn't a deal breaker. It, yeah, it's it not doesn't a deal really matter. I me. I find it weird, but again, weird is different from wrong. That is true. So, um, talking about the virgin birth, the reason why I love talking about this is because, um, for one thing, if if I had a favorite gospel, <laughs> okay, <laughs> this is something I never thought I would say out loud. <laughs> if I had a favorite gospel, it would be John. Okay. Uh, because John is the gospel that starts with the word was with God and, you know, the word was God and, you know, all that. Yeah. Matthew's the begots, right? So-and-so. I think so. Be or beget yeah. or the, the big family tree that yeah. everyone skips. <laughs> yeah. But in John, in the first in the verse of John, it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And I remember this so clearly from my Christian uh, Theo course in college, which... I'm just remembering how problematic that professor was. But anyway, um, I I remember us talking about this capitalization of word and how it connects to the story of Gabriel coming down to Mary. And Gabriel, um, you know, spoke the word. We call this uh, in Christian, you know, Theo, we call this the Annunciation, uh, which is uh, it's it's when Gabriel spoke to Mary you will bear Christ. 
I'm glad you are remembering all this and telling me all this. Because, I have notes. <laughs> okay, yeah. I apparently, I vaguely remember that, but was not paying attention to oh, Christian Theo. No, um, I only remember the conversation about the word and how this connected. I don't remember all the specifics from Christian Theo. Oh, okay, good. Because I was going to say, I passed yeah, that class. In but, prep dang, for this episode. I got I you. I dug back into it. Um, but we, we call this the Annunciation. Um, in it, Actually, this comes in Luke. But it says, well, well, it's cited most in Luke. Um, it says, um, Gabriel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Basically, mm-hmm. you're going to essentially. Gonna, yeah. Um, and he said, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born uh, to be born will be called the Son of God. In that moment, the beautiful thing about the Annunciation that I love mm-hmm. is this supernatural occurrence mm-hmm. that as Gabriel spoke the literal words of God, those little literal words of God came into Mary's ear. And this is the weirdness. Those words were the Holy Spirit incarnate. And I'm going to get theologically a little bit like touchy on the the, on the like specifics here. But like that, that those words were what conceived Jesus. Okay, that are and and I've never thought that deep about it. This is this is the part that I remember from Christian Theo as talking about like that that enunciation is literally what conceived Jesus in that moment. And what that says to me and what you know that's a weird thing for us to believe yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) that whole it's very weird but what it says to me is that god recognizes the power of language and the power of words and okay and, and that there is specific power in the words that we use with other people and i i think that kind of relates to some things that that some Christians believe about using the Lord's name in vain and what does that mean and I think there's power in words and you know like this kind of relates to our next topic too that like I don't do Ouija boards I don't do um tarot cards I like tarot cards but I don't do them they're cool but they're cool to look at yeah I don't do them though if someone like gave me a reading I'd be like that's really neat yeah but I'm not touching but it. like I don't do that stuff because I re- I for me I recognize the power in suggestion and the power in words and the power in language that we use um and so even though it's super weird and even though it's something that is like just absolutely bizarre that we just take at face value there's so much that we can learn from it and there's so much that we can think about with that um yeah but i do think that like and this is why i love you i don't know if you knew that if i could have a moment um i mean i love you too i think it's cool to have you to talk to about this because like you have such a writer's mind i would never think about that um and i'm absolutely with you on the power of words and like i think i think things some things only have the power that you give them which is why you know again tarot cards and ouija boards while i will say all day like ouija boards aren't real they're just fake it's someone moving it will i touch one no never absolutely not because i i have a healthy evangelical fear of those things i am often wrong (laughs) about things um 
But yeah, I think that's a really good point. And again, that kind of circles back to the Genesis creation story. Does it need to be literal? And what do we learn about expanding on the story? And I don't mean story like made up, but expanding on that. What can we learn about? Right. Not just the character of God, but also of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And and if you think back to the creation myth too, it, it talks about God said light and there was light. Let there be light and there was light. The first action that we see God doing is he speaks something into existence. Yes. And so speaking Christ into existence as well just tracks, you know, <laughs> like it just tracks. And we talk about our God being a creative God. And I think, um, you know, I think... He's creative in all the ways, but uh, his words are especially creative because they literally create. Yes. I also do want to give a shout out to our art professor in college who was the first person to ever talk about the creative nature of God. Oh, my gosh. Were you in that class with me, SJ? SJ, oh, my gosh. What a beautiful human being. I... Top five human beings, Cannot say enough good things about her. She was the first person that... um, And if you didn't listen to our introduction episode, you might not know, we went to a small private Christian university. Um, So all of our classes had some kind of Christian influence, but she was our visual arts or just art appreciation or... No, she was an art and uh, a professor because I took drawing with her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the yeah. class was just kind of a general. Oh, yeah. Art. It was art appreciation. Okay. Elective. And we um, never appreciate it. No, that's, <laughs> that's not true. We always we appreciated always, it. We, Jordan and I come from a creative background, so we absolutely I appreciated it. I loved that class. I did too. It was so good. But she, on the first day, was talking about God creating the world and how we have been created with a spirit of creativity because God created. And I was like, oh, my God. So, be, that being said, go do the thing. Go, Go do, do your do creative it. thing. Yeah. You know, don't let capitalism get you down. No. <laughs> you do don't have to sell it. It doesn't have to be good. Go do it. Just because do God it. created you to be creative. Exactly. We in whatever all, way you are. We all have creative instincts. And just because it's not like drawing does not mean it's not creative. Exactly. If it's knitting, if it's making jewelry, if it's sitting down and like doing something, I don't know, analytical things can be creative too. Oh, yeah. Like code something i don't know i don't know i think coding can be creative i don't know how computers work i think i think there's something about creativity that there's a spark yes it's not just like what what you're doing doesn't have to be considered arts by society that's a construct but like there's something in you yeah that when you're you've got that spark of creativity and of inspiration no matter what it is yeah do it you know because i feel like that's hearkening to our you know to our nature whether you believe that is, you know, God is the, you know, the creator or you believe in something else, there's something about human nature that is inherently creative. It always feels good to make something. So, so angels are freaky, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, there was one other thing that I did want to say I wanted to correct myself from earlier. Okay. Um, uh, if we're talking about the Catholic persuasion, there's just a, that distinction between the virgin birth of Jesus and of Mary. Mm-hmm. We call Jesus the virgin birth marry the immaculate conception so when when non non-catholics actually uh-huh. talk about the immaculate conception they don't mean what catholics mean when they talk oh, about it so. okay anyway but yeah so angels are weird so angels are weird and i you're of the, you're of a different persuasion than mine slightly right 
maybe i'm i'm someone that doesn't like to think about spiritual warfare or the spiritual realm i don't know if that's what you're talking about yeah Yeah, i don't like to think about it and i know that that's very like not i I know that some christians are listening to this going like oh my gosh well then are you even really a real christian and like i think it stems from when i was younger someone said like once you expose yourself to the spiritual realm you'll see it everywhere and you'll really like once you understand the spiritual realm you'll be able to see the spiritual warfare which first of all just sounds a little hokey to me second of all again psychology degree confirmation bias i'm very skeptical about things like that of once you know about it you'll see it everywhere yeah that's how everything works like if i tell you to look out for the number 13 today you'll probably see it six more times um but i think another part of that is that like the spiritual realm also scares me a little bit thinking about like actual demons freaks me out so as a kid i was like oh, if I expose myself to that, I'll see it everywhere. Well, then I'm just not going to think about it ever. Yeah. And I'm going to just not go there. And I think (laughs) this harkens back to a topic that you and I have talked about on several occasions personally. Um, It connects for me. I don't – I'm not going to say I spend a whole lot of time thinking about spiritual warfare. I I have – experienced some things that psychologically may have been, you know, some kind of confirmation bias. They may have been physiological things that manifested in ways that I interpreted as spiritual connections. Personally, I believe that I have had some spiritual experiences that are both terrifying and also really cool. Mm -hmm. And you and I have talked about before, like, not that we do this because that would be heresy. If you had a favorite member of the Trinity, who would it be? And mine would be the Holy Spirit. And so I think I've always just kind of connected in that way. Uh, uh, Father Steve, shout out Father Steve, um, at the New <laughs> at the Newman Center. They're going to know where we're from. Um, <laughs> he told me once, I was talking about like, it was in reference to like us having a non-Catholic wedding and blah, 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 blah. But I was like, you know, I just feel like, God gave me a piece about it. And I was like, I just have always been able to interpret peace about those kinds of things. And I feel very connected to God in that way. And he was like, you know, that's a gift. That's a spiritual gift. That is a spiritual gift. You're connected to the Holy Spirit in a way that you can, you know, interpret those feelings. And so as far as spiritual warfare goes and angels and demons, I'm more, I'm more ready to be like, yeah, totally. They're Mm -hmm. here. They're, it's happening. Um, I, I I think I do also think that a lot of spiritual experiences people have are psychologically manifested Mm -hmm. that, you know, the church, there there is a long history of society in general calling things that are medical and things that are psychological uh, demons or calling it spiritual warfare when really it's something that somebody needs help with. So I want to be very careful about how I classify that. Also things like um uh cry night at Christian camps. Which I think I been a victim. I, been a victim. I want to go I want to do a whole episode on mm-hmm. Christian summer camp. But I think that's on our list. Uh I think the it is Christian yeah. camp experience. But yeah, a lot of times people I think are manipulated into quote unquote feeling the Holy Spirit. Yeah. 
when it's not and maybe it is uh, who's to say thoughts become things you know thoughts become things and you know god if the holy spirit is sending us feelings that is physical i mean you yeah. can't feel things without like your body doing stuff but yeah i don't know i don't i, I don't want to tell someone what their spiritual experiences are or or are not so i'll just stay away from that but for me and maybe this is gonna sound arrogant maybe this is my spiritual gift <laughs> i think spiritually i've always been i don't want to say always i haven't always been this way but now as an adult i feel much more analytical about it i think that and i think god and the holy spirit appeal to people in different ways and I think spiritual warfare and that super spiritual side of Christianity is not my side, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Like, I... I think I, logic can be a spiritual gift. I right. Think definitely. I think the Episcopalians would definitely tell you. See, in my heart, I'm Episcopalian. Welcome. We, you know, we welcome all kinds. Half my heart is Baptist. Half my heart is Episcopalian. That's how I feel, It's honestly. very confusing. It's very confusing. But it's mo- the Baptists, just the hymns. They, I love they them. They really cornered the market on the music. Knocked it out of the park with the music and the potlucks. Just, oh, and the potlucks. You've never been to a potluck if you haven't been to a Baptist potluck. I. Yes. There is a strong connection between uh my tendency to communicate love through food and the fact that i was raised in the southern baptist church absolutely absolutely yeah yeah man but angels though but angels (laughs) so do i believe in angels vaguely do i believe in guardian angels not particularly i don't they were never really emphasized for me and I don't know that that's necessarily a biblical belief. I don't know. I don't know if it is either. I know that like, like Mark's mom, for example, has said to me before, like that the, the, our angels mm-hmm. are doing this or that. And like, I think that's something that was emphasized maybe a little bit more when he was growing up um, than it was for me. So like, I don't, again, it's not one of those deal breaker beliefs for me. Right. And if I have a guardian angel, shout out to my guardian angel, um her name is probably alice alice Alice. Their, i should say their name is probably alice their name is probably alice alice um good looking out for the most part is i do alice, have a is alice the name of the lady that used to live in your house anna anna no sorry my bad their, their name is anna. their name is anna there is a lady named anna who i think passed away in my house that's a whole other situation <laughs> i get her mail all the time but anna my guardian angel if you're up there uh if i have i have um constructive criticism <laughs> that i would like to level at you thank you but also uh i'm going to be writing a comment card and putting it in the box before i leave <laughs> so yeah no and i think the one of the weirder parts about angels and demons that whole situation is that like there's a lot of discourse about like what angels look like and that they're these big fearsome creatures and all the eyes and the wings. And I always think of the cover of that Madeline Langle. Yes. Novel. Yes. Um, Madeline Langle. Is that how you say her name? Lingle? Langle? I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, that has like the, the eyes and the wings and yes. the craziness. Um, but then they also look like people sometimes in the Bible. Right. People don't know they're angels. They think well, they're gardeners. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 
So that's in the resurrection story. But, yeah. Um, but then, but then when you look at demons, I feel like there's less, there's less discussion about that, about what they look like. Yeah. I mean, in pop culture, they can look like any n- number of things. Sure. But like when I think in Christian circles, there's less discourse about what does a demon look like? That's very true. Well, because ooh. we also have the, the like the non-literal conception of what is a demon well my demons are that's true also and do you believe in possessions and exorcisms so (laughs) this is where you and i differ i do believe that that happens Mm -hmm. i don't think that it happens often Mm -hmm. um but like kind of like you were saying earlier i think you can open yourself up to stuff Mm -hmm. um and i think you can agitate stuff um but, and I know where you're going to come in on this, I don't understand, I don't understand, and it's one of those things that I just kind of let go of, and I'm like, I don't get it, but that's weird. Um, instances in which truly good people who are not trying to open themselves up to stuff get possessed. That's my question, too, yeah. is that what, and because possession a, I think is talked much more about in Catholic circles, yeah, which I am not in, um, and has been so co-opted by like the horror industry yeah. and ghost hunters and ghost adventures. Oh my gosh, ghost adventures! The we Zo- should do an episode on that. The um, Zozo episode where someone gets <laughs> that episode terrified me. By I know, the way. I know, I know that show is fake. I love it so much. Anyway, um, so like, who gets possessed? How do you get possessed? Someone once told me, if you're saved and you have Jesus in your heart, you can't get possessed because he protects you. But that's not true if you believe every story right. of possession. Right. So, like, I don't know. That's that's a um, journey for another day. Yeah. But, but, yeah. So, like, again, that's just one of those things that I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm not saying it does. I'm not worrying about it because yeah. I'm not going there so i'm wondering if we can connect this back so we've been talking about with each of these you know it's a weird thing it's a weird belief but in some way shape or form it teaches us something okay about god yeah i think angels is easy to is easy for me to talk about like because i can you know specifically i'm thinking about something that my mother-in-law said to me about you know as mothers you know not even the angels were given that privilege um, to be a mother and that we you know that's a very unique experience that's only given to some um I shouldn't say it like that I, I think people can be mothers in multiple ways um you don't have to be a biological mother to be someone's mother but angels were not given that privilege angels were not given free will and so I think there is something there that's a testament to how we are special to God um you know he had the heavenly host Sure. He didn't need us. Sure. But he made us anyway. And so, like, that's my whole, like, connection as far as angels and uh, angels go. Demons! <laughs> I don't know enough about the the actual, like, theological concept. Yeah, of Lucifer and that demons. That whole thing. Because I honestly could not even tell you where that shows up in the Bible. I'm pretty sure it's in the Old Testament, but I have no idea where it is. Uh, I mean, Lucifer's in the garden, well, no, I mean, like, the whole, like, there is, there's something about, there's something in there about the fall of Lucifer and, like, oh, that yeah. he took angels with him. Is that in Revelation? I don't think, I think it's in the Old Testament somewhere. 
People are going to be listening to this like shouting. Once at again, us. not experts. We are not theologians. Have We're I, just sitting here talking about stuff. Have I read the whole Bible? Probably not. I've probably missed Honestly, no. some pieces. And that's sad because I took Old Testament and New Testament as courses in college and I signed a paper saying that I read the entire thing. I lied. Well, no, I didn't lie. I didn't say I read the entire thing. I said I read like 90% of it. That um, was a lie. And I would like to ask forgiveness in this moment for that. Same. We took New Testament together. Did we not? Yes, we did. I also wrote somewhere between 80 and 90%. And I don't remember our professor's name, but I do she apologize. She was great. She was great. Loved her. Um, I did not have time to read the whole New Testament. No. I was busy. And I honestly remember writing that number in on the piece of paper. and Because it was part of like the final. It was like... Be honest. How much did you did you read? And we, I think we had the assumption of like this per, whatever percentage I put down is going to be the grade I get. In this exactly. Class. So, exactly. So we didn't. I wasn't. I wasn't honest. How honest did we want to be in that moment? Yeah. You know. I can tell you, and I'm going to confess something. This is couch communion. I think you know this is a this is a space for confession. This is a space for discussion uh i can openly confess this item to you right now um my old testament course that i took over the summer was an online course and someone some beautiful human some beautiful wrong human had um gotten on yahoo answers and asked the literal homework questions word for word from our old testament book and people had answered them. And uh, that's uh, that's how I passed that class. Not all heroes wear capes. <laughs> Some heroes go to Yahoo But I answers. confess that I cheated. And uh, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> couch confession is this Hashtag segment. couch confession. Yes. Oh, we could have a segment. That'd be great. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I think all in all, um, we believe some weird stuff. I think that's the takeaway. Yeah. We believe weird things, but... It's every, okay. Weird is different from wrong. And every weird thing tells us something not weird, or still weird, about God. And about ourselves. And about ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. If you have thoughts on this, Hit please, please, I'm begging you, I'm begging, please email us. I want to... Part of the reason that we I'm started begging, this... I'm begging, I'm telling you... <laughs> I'm demanding. Part of the reason we we're starting this podcast is that um, we want we want to. I think we want to create a community. Mm-hmm. I know there's already a huge deconstructing evangelical community of people, and really, we just want to be invited to the club. We just want someone to to hang out with us and talk with us. Yeah. So, if you're in this club, or if you're not, if you have listened to this whole podcast and you have disagreed with every single thing we've said, that's fine too. The email us yeah. that. As long as you're not mean about it. Don't be rude. Yeah, just don't... remember weird is Weird is different wrong. than wrong. I'm gonna make it a thing. I'm trying to make fetch happen right now. <laughs> um so yeah, let us know if you have weird thoughts um or weird beliefs, even if you're not Christian, if you're a different religion and you have I'd some... love to hear some of the weird from I other from other faith perspectives. Absolutely love. Jewish, Muslim, Hindu, Taoist, I don't care. I atheist do you have a weird belief i'm gonna be honest oh man (laughs) there are a lot of people who are not religious but spiritual kinds of Mm -hmm. stuff yeah um 
If you believe in fairies, like literal fairies, <gasps> oh please send us an email. Send me an email and explain because again, I'm. It's weird. Doesn't mean it's wrong. I just I don't understand, and I want to understand. Yeah. So, um, anyway, our social media. You can find us at Couch Communion on Instagram and on Twitter. Please follow us. Um, We're new at this, so you know we'll. We'll figure it out. We're working on building this community. We just want to talk to people who are listening. And we think that would be really cool. Um, Also, please subscribe on Apple iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher or wherever you found this podcast. Please rate and leave us a review. Again, please be nice. (laughs) You know, you know, Sarah, I disagree with that. I disagree. I think um, I'm open to constructive criticism. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely down for that. I mean, like, don't be, I think by be nice, you're saying, please don't, don't yell be a jerk at me. about it. <laughs> don't yell at me and tell me that I got something wrong in the Bible. I yeah. don't know. The whole idea of constructive criticism is that you build someone up. You're, you're right. constructing. If you would do us a favor, if you have constructive criticism, that's totally fine. But maybe still, shoot us an email and still leave a five star review, please. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because we'll get better. Yeah, we'll get better. Anyway, that's our social. We said earlier, couchcommunion at gmail.com. Send us an email. Uh, Anything else we need to leave the people with? I think, you know, just uh, remember, we're all different out there, but we're all together in this. And we love you guys. Yeah. And stay tuned. And and stay stay communed. communed. (laughs)